The term innovation often evokes images of new products or services that disrupts markets. Uber, Netflix, and Tesla are just a few examples of such innovative companies. But how does innovation originate? Why do we tend to overlook innovation opportunities where others see potential? In this episode, I'll speak with Craig Dubitsky, a serial entrepreneur who was previously a guest in 2019. He's the founder of Hello Products, which became part of Colgate-Palmolive in 2020, where he is now its chief innovation strategist. Craig was a co-founder of Evolution of Smooth, more commonly known as EOS, one of the world's largest selling lip balm brands, and was on the board of Method Products, which S.E. Johnson acquired in 2017. He's a sought-after advisor and board member of both business and educational institutions, including as entrepreneur-in-residence at Babson College, an advisory board member at the University of Rochester's AN Center for Entrepreneurship. We'll discuss a broader view of innovation and the role of an innovation strategist. We'll talk about the importance of trying something new while others see risk, discovering the emotional spark that spawns a new idea, and the power of unleashing your optimism and creativity in whatever you do. Craig, welcome to our podcast series. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you know, Craig, you were a guest on our podcast in 2019, which was uh, right before you sold Hello Products to Colgate-Palmolive. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. I like to say uh, we didn't sell anything. We were asked to join the <laughs> Colgate family. You know, when you're selling something, yeah. it's like nobody wants it. When you're doing something interesting and somebody wants to uh, acquire it or have you join, that's a much more positive I think, approach um, and a good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So maybe you could just remind our listeners of your background a bit and and what's your current role now? You're now working at Colgate-Palmolive, right? Yes, so I have sort of a a dual role. Apart from Hello, I guess when you're the founder of something, you're kind of always the founder, you know, even if you're not, you know, in it every single day, you're just sort of the founder. I don't know that Ben or Jerry from Ben and Jerry's are, sitting there mixing up the ice cream every day. But right. Ben and Jerry's name, yes, but they're the founders, you know? Sure. Um, so I'm still the founder and spend a lot of time on uh, strategy and creative for Hello, but I have this other role. I'm the chief innovation strategist is my title for Colgate, which is a really amazing role. I, I report to the global president who, you know, only really reports to the chairman CEO. So I'm, I'm in a, a pretty interesting loop and I uh, have an interesting purview. And Colgate has over 34,000 people working in over 200 countries. So it's really exciting for me because I get to touch a lot of different things. And it's not just product. I'm looking at innovation across all different facets of the businesses and the enterprise. So I, I'm talking with people sometimes in HR about different ways to think about recruiting and team building and obviously looking at products, new products, old products, even, you know, different opportunities for investment. So I, I'm really lucky. I get to touch a lot of things that, and it's been a lot of fun because they're open-minded and they're very cool and they're like, let's go. <laughs> so, so great to hear. And one of the things about, you know, when you work for a large company like a Colgate Palmolive or any public company, there's this growth imperative that requires organizations to constantly innovate, right? To look for those new ideas. I mean, I think even if you're not a public company, it's kind of like the shark metaphor. You know, you got to swim forward or you or you die. I don't think it's about sharks, hopefully. 
I like to think it's more about dolphins, you know, like dolphins uh, are different than sharks. I know that, but, uh, and the way they, they breathe is very different, but it's sort of like, you know, can you move forward in a kind way and still have, have growth? And I feel like that's sort of where, where we're at. The magical thing about a big company really for, from my perspective anyway, as a entrepreneur, that scale right. that they bring is it's incredible. So even if you make a small difference in something at scale, it has tremendous impact. And that can cause incredible growth because, again, when you have scale, a small thing can make a huge difference. Right. So right. the way you look at things tends to change a little bit. You know, one of the many awards and recognitions you've received was being named to the Advertising Age Creativity 50. And it's an annual <laughs> list of the most influential and innovative creative thinkers and doers. You know, it got me thinking about what makes someone an innovative creative thinker? Uh, is, is it an inherent attribute or can it be taught? I think, I like to think it could be taught. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> For me, I think it's probably, I think a lot of the ways that I look at things has to be a product of the way I was brought up. My mother always used to tell me, just try it. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. Or just try this thing. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. But try. There was a lot of focus on trying when I was a kid. So I tend to focus on trying. And I made up this term, at least I think I've made it up, where I've told people, you know, it's not about FOMO, fear of missing out. It's about, I call it font, fear of not trying. You should just be scared to not try things. A lot of people are, are scared and they don't try. So I think you can teach that. And I think part of that is either joining an organization or, or helping to mold an organization that uh, has a, a real appetite and a fondness for learning and trying things and encouraging people to get really comfortable with things that might make them uncomfortable. So I think you can teach it. For me, I was nurtured that way. It was just kind of instilled in me. Just try it. Just try it. What do you, you know, don't be scared to try anything. So, yeah. But just a funny thing about that recognition about, you know, the being named to the Creativity 50. I didn't know that that list was anything that uh, <laughs> I would appear on. And it was my birthday that year. And my wife said, like, happy birthday. And she said, oh, you know, you have to go on social media. You'll see, you'll have all these birthday wishes. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I'm, you know. I wasn't really concerned with that. She said, no, it's great. It's my favorite thing. The only thing I like about social media is on my birthday, I get all these lovely things. Right. So she's sort of insistent. So I go on and I see all these things, congratulations, 50, congratulations, 50. And I wasn't 50. So I thought, <laughs> oh God, maybe I put like the wrong year for my birthday, you know, into Facebook or something. And then it turns out it was, you know, this creativity 50 thing. And I was like, what is that? But what a great birthday gift it was for me. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, just a little side, just a little sidebar. As we were talking and you were describing, you said, well, it was part of your upbringing was to try things, right? And so when I reflect on that, it kind of leads me to believe, all right, so yeah, you were taught. You know, it wasn't a formal lesson, mm -hmm. but rather it was a, a way of thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just try. Just try. And it's funny because, you know, I'm now 56 and married for quite some time and have two children and... I would basically always say to my kids, especially when they were trying new things, there's no losing, just learning. That's, that's it. And I think, you know, you can 
teach this or you can set yourselves up or maybe your offspring um, set them up to realize there's there's nothing wrong in trying. There's everything right in trying and everything is an opportunity to learn or improve. And I got to say as an entrepreneur, I mean, everyone would tell me things that were sort of antithetical to that thinking, mm. you know, oh, the world doesn't need another dish soap. You know, and right. there's dish soap already. And, and you know, I, I was involved very early in, in method products. And then people said, oh, the world doesn't need chapstick. It doesn't need another chapstick. There's chapstick. You know, and, and I thought, well, people call the whole category chapstick. That's, right. a, that's a brand. That's a product. That's not the whole category. So I looked at that as another opportunity, the same way I saw method and household cleaning products as an opportunity. So uh, you know, a, a lot of people go out of their way to tell you, no, you can't do things or you shouldn't do things. And I just think that's the wrong message. I'm sort of like, well, why can't I do something? Or is there a way to make that better? Uh, and I tend to think that the bar is very low for most things in terms of finding the delta between, you know, something that's just okay and something that's awesome. You only have to move the needle a little bit to get from meh to amazing. You know, I guess I really saw that when you came out with EOS, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that you redefined the shape of what lip balm could be. And now yes. now that's like, it's everywhere. And I see it in my my nieces. They're applying and I keep reflecting back on, well, Craig came up with that idea. It was well, an interesting move from the classic chapstick to now to have it in a whole different shape. Well, and again, it's just, a, I think, indicative of how set we get in our ways and how low the bar is and how something that seems relatively small can end up having a very big difference. I mean, it's a good segue for a hello. You know, we didn't invent toothpaste and we didn't invent the tube, but to me, innovation exists along many planes. It's not just a technical innovation or scientific innovation, you know, something with some advanced chemistry. All of those are definitely innovation. But I think there's a whole other plane, which is emotional innovation and cultural innovation. Right. And, you know, Hello played on a, a different set of emotions in a category that was all about, you know, uh, fear and shame and scientific, clinical-related claims. And, you know, we have a high-performing product, but we also have a very different brand and tone of voice and the way the brand manifests across all these different touch points was resonating with people in a way that other oral care products just didn't. So playing again, like with an eye towards emotional innovation allowed us to do all sorts of things that incumbents, even with their fantastic brand legacy and advanced scientifics couldn't seem to tap into. Right. Um, not because they, they weren't able to, but their equities didn't really allow them to, to go there so easily. And the culture of the company itself may not you know, typically lend itself to big change like that. So there are a lot of competing factors and a lot of different ways to look at innovation. And tying back to what you were saying earlier, you know, public companies and growth being a driver, you know, growth should be a driver for anybody for anything. You're only on the planet so long. Don't you want to grow? Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, very like true. Emotionally and, you know, so growth, growth is great. But, you know, there's different types of growth. So just like there's different types of innovation. 
Right. It's interesting you bring up that point about innovation because I've discussed the subject of innovation with several people and it seems that, especially someone with your experience, after a while you sort of develop a deliberate or a structured process to follow that says, okay, yeah, we start with ideas, but we have to add some structure to that and a process or else it ends up just staying an idea and never becoming a product. Have you developed a process to move from ideas to, let's say, a go-to-market product? I wish I could tell you that I have a concrete process. It's, it's not formulaic, and I, I'm laughing as I say this because it might be anathema for me to, to share it like this, but you know, you're open or you're not. So I'm unapologetically open. No, I do not have a formal process. Something has to hit me. Something has to stir something in me, and it has to bug me or get me really excited about an opportunity that is unmet or unmatched or unappreciated by a large group of people that are making product, but knowing that there's an unmet need that a large group of users of that particular product you know, have open as an opportunity. So yeah, there's no process. It's like something's kind of pissed me off or I have to see something that shakes me to my core and, and makes me go, God, that is that's crap. Why did we live with that for so long? How can we make that better? Right. And then I just focus intently on how to make it better. And mm-hmm. like whatever better is, better could mean more natural, better could mean more affordable, better could mean uh, more widely available. There's a lot of ways to define better. It could be, you know, again, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? But um, something's got to bug you. I think history is filled with things that bothered people to such a degree that they went out and started something. Right, because they thought they can't be the only ones that are bothered by this, right? So, and it doesn't doesn't even matter what the category is. You know, there's famous stories. Donna Karen couldn't find a black dress she liked, and she thought, "I can't be the only woman who can't find a little black dress." Here are all the reasons I don't like what's available, and here's what would be great. I'm just going to go make it. And Diane von Furstenberg, you know, sticking with dresses, same thing. You know, she made the wrap dress, like this right. classic, brilliant thing that you could dress up, dress down, you eat a big dinner, you could loosen it up, you still look great. I mean, that came out of a need and also a want, but also the fact that she realized she wasn't the only person that would love something that was dysfunctional and then made it beautiful. Right. And I think, you know, again, like something has to, something has to bother you. Yeah, you could even look at, uh, let's say, Reed Hastings when he came up with Netflix, right? What bothered him was that he had to pay late fees when he brought back a video. And that was the trigger yeah. and thought how terrible this is that he has to admit to his wife that he, I forget the number, but it was a big number that he paid late fees. And he was very disturbed by that. And that gnawed at him and figured, I can't be the only one that has had this problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we're more alike than we are different, even yeah. though I think we're taught to think, and by the way, I'm not negating the uniqueness of every individual out there, right? We are unique in a lot of things you know, magical ways. Sure. But we also share so much in common. You just keep your eyes open and right. look for something that bothers you or something that you love that isn't out there in a broad way that you think you could, you know, bring to a product you currently work on or a, a brand you work on or a company you're at now or a thing you want to start. Find the thing that gets you excited and that bothers you and focus, focus. I know you, you said you don't have a process, a structure, but what I'm hearing are elements of a process. It starts with something that gnaws at you, it bothers you, it, it almost makes you angry that there's, this, that there's something exists out there that could be better. Then you start to define, what do you mean by better? 
And then you sort of take that idea and then begin to develop something behind what could be something new. So, yeah, I guess there's some steps. So there you go. So that is the process. (laughs) Right. There's a series of steps in your mind that you go through. You just codified it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. So, yeah, that's it. So that is it. Yeah. Notice it all starts with emotion. It all starts with emotion. Ah, that's the trigger point, right? You know, because otherwise, like what separates humans from, you know, plants and other creatures. Right. right. It's always the emotional factor. For me. Yeah, absolutely. So in your role now at Colgate-Palmolive, you mentioned the chief creativity officer. Uh, Chief innovation strategist. Strategist. Ah. And you yeah, mentioned that so you, you, you touch on a variety of elements within the organization. So innovation, product is one thing, but it could be an innovative process. And you talked about hiring and there's, there's potential for innovation yeah, throughout any organization. It's a mindset yeah. as to keep the organization to be open to new ideas, new ways of thinking, and always looking to improve. So it's about sometimes just orchestrating things in a way where people can feel comfortable unleashing their magic on a particular set of problems or opportunities. It leads me into the question about advice to uh, folks coming out of college, graduates, going to that first job, or maybe wanting to be an entrepreneur, is to keep your mind open and look for opportunities to contribute, right? Whether it's within your own organization, your own startup, or within a big company. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm smiling as I hear you say that because I try to make myself really available, as available as I can to people, entrepreneurs or students, job seekers, people inside of a company that are facing some kind of challenge, because I love people. And I had so many people that were so helpful to me that may not even realize how helpful they were to me over the years. So I, I try. And I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with that are a little nervous about their first job or their first venture or making a change in their organization with their current role. And the advice that I share, and it's just one person's opinion, right? So this is, I'm just a guy who's, you know, been around, uh, you know, a couple of times around the sun. So take it with a grain. But I tell people a couple of things. One is I've been very lucky. I've never applied for a job my whole life. I've basically made every job I've ever had. And someone pointed that out to me. I was too heads down to realize that. And I've worked in some very large companies. And what I share with people is do the work. Like I meet a lot of people and they're telling me about what their interview is like. And, and I've interviewed people that tell me all the things they want. Like, so imagine <laughs> you're interviewed with someone and they're telling you, well, you know, at this stage of my career, I wanted to be doing this and I wanted to be doing that. And I, I, my plans were to be at this level in this type of company with this type of role, this type of responsibility and this type of paycheck. And I've met a lot of people who will share that kind of stuff with me. And the advice I give them is don't do that. That is so not cool. And I'll, and I'll give them an example. I made a job happen at a very large company because I went and did all this work. I did as much research as I could This is before Google existed. And I had all these ideas for the CEO of the company. I just had an outrageous number of ideas. And I was like, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? What about this? You know, if you thought about this and did this, this could happen. This could happen. And the guy literally said to me, I'm quoting, he said, I've never met somebody who's so excited about our business before. And even if the idea is, I show some people, I'm like, let's say you came to me and you're like, oh, I love, hello, I want to work in a startup. I want to work in a startup that's part of a larger organization. I want all the stability that comes with that and the opportunity. And maybe I can live overseas because I'm really interested in 
you know, foreign markets and I really want to get X number of weeks of vacation versus somebody who comes in and goes, I haven't stopped thinking about your brand. I have these 10 ideas for you. I sketched a bunch of stuff. Please don't, you know, don't make fun of my sketches. I'm not an artist, but I wanted to try to bring these concepts to life. And I've literally had this happen. So imagine the person that's like, I want this, I want that. Right. I'm interested in this versus someone who goes, my favorite product is your hello, anti-plaque and whitening fluoride-free toothpaste. Oh my God, here's what I love about it. And I love this and this and this and this versus someone who's like, you know, have you used the product? No, I haven't used your product. And do you have any ideas for us? No, I can tell you all the things <laughs> I want for my career, but no. And literally, if the person that comes in with 10 ideas, if we've had those 10 ideas, they would have not shared their 10 matching ideas. They didn't see those ideas come to life yet. So that's not a bad thing. If nothing else, I think, okay, we're thinking along the same lines. We haven't created those 10 ideas yet or launched them. Maybe this is the person that could help us launch one or two or all 10 of them. Right. Wouldn't that be great? Versus the person that's like, I want this, I want that. So what I tell people is do the work, blow somebody's mind, you know, like blow the person you're meeting with away in a good way by showing them how much you love their brand and their product, and their offer, like what they do and that you have ideas to help make it better. Otherwise it's like, you know, you're just looking for a job. Why do you want someone on your team who's looking to, you know, like check boxes when you have the opportunity to have somebody who's already thought about your brand, your product, your offering, your business, and is enthusiastic about it? So that's what I would say. And remember, there's no losing, just learning, right? So even if it doesn't work, you're going to learn a lot and you'll be that much more valuable to the next folks you work with, whether that's a startup or an established business. Oh, such great advice, telling people to bring your creativity forward and make sure that you're enthusiastic and and don't be with a person that asks, when when will I get my first raise? Passion, passion, passion. (laughs) Right. Oh my God, I'm I'm not making this up. I mean, literally, (laughs) I had to tell the team at one point, please, please, please don't have me meet with someone who hasn't already used our product. We would have people and I'd, I'd down and I'd say, so like, you know, like which one of our products do you like? And they'd say, oh, I haven't used the product. And I'd be like, why? Am I here? Like you have teeth and you're coming here looking for an opportunity and to join us. I don't want people that want a job. I want people that want to join us, you know, and there's a difference. And when you get people that don't even use your product, I'm like, why, why are you here? Like you have teeth and our product is a few dollars and it's available everywhere. And I have a friend who told me a story years ago that she was at, I guess I can name names, but I haven't spoken to this person in years and she may not be there, but maybe I'll be nice and I won't mention names. But she was at a large company that maybe was in the overnight delivery business, let's just say. Okay. And she was telling me that she, and she was running venture and she's like, yeah, I get, you know, like a hundred business plans sent to me a day, but I only read, you know, like a handful of them. And I said, oh, cause you're so busy and they're so, you know, they're so well-written that you're absorbed in the material. And she's like, no, I throw out like, you know, this huge percentage of them. And I was like, wow, that's not nice. Like, you mean just because you're so busy, you can't keep up? Like, everybody wants, you know, overnight delivery services? And she's like, no, they send me, I'm at Brand X, and they're they're using Brand Y to overnight me their stuff. Like, why would I ever look at that? I just throw that out. Uh, and I never forgot that. Like, I heard that 20 years ago, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, you're you're sending, you know, like I said, it's like walking into an interview with Coke holding a Pepsi or going to purchase a Dr. Pepsi holding a Coke. Like, you just don't do that. But there are people who are not that thoughtful or scrupulous or sensitive. And they, you know, the world is a curious and fascinating place. 
show up with your passion and your enthusiasm and do some work ahead of time with the idea that you're going to blow somebody away with how much enthusiasm you have and how much work you've already put into why you're in the room in the first place and what you could bring to make the business, the brand, the opportunity better. Uh, that's great um, advice. That's Good the stuff. key. Good stuff. So last question for you, Craig. What one word describes who you are? Oh, um, <laughs> I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. Oh, so Absolutely. it hasn't changed. In 2019, that was the nope. word that you used. Same. I'm an optimist. I'm very much an optimist. None of that's changed. I know there's been a pandemic. I know there's new scary things on the horizon in terms of contagious things. I'm still an optimist. And I think... I'm an optimist, justifiably so, not just because it feels good to think positively, but because there's still so much opportunity out there. And when you realize all the things that sound trite are actually not trite, they're just true, and we're sick of hearing them over and over, you realize, yes, time is short. And yes, today is called the present because it's a gift. All these like little hallmarky sounding things, they're not trite, they are true. So I'm optimistic because I'm excited. You know, what could be? And if you're not excited about what could be or your ability to play a part in making the future, that sounds too sad to me. Like, I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of excitement and energy and driving things forward because I think we can. And the only thing getting in the way is ourselves. So why do you want to be in the way? Like, let's clear the way. Let's go do some amazing shit together <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so so, so yeah well i'm an optimist that's great and look craig i gotta say i really appreciate you again being on our podcast and i know our listeners are gonna get a lot out of it thank you so much oh no my pleasure thank you for for having me back maybe listen i hope to be back in another few years and you ask me the same question and i better have the same answer yeah. <laughs> um i didn't even realize that's what i said last time but it's true wonderful thanks so much craig all right thanks for having me As Craig points out, innovation exists in many forms and should be viewed more broadly. There's not just technical, scientific, or product innovation. There are whole other dimensions, including emotional and cultural innovation. In his role as chief innovation strategist, he goes beyond products and marketing and looks for new ways to improve how the business operates. As he said, at the global scale of Colgate-Palmolive, even small changes can have a big impact. Craig described how his mother pushed him to try new things. There's nothing wrong with trying. There's everything right. It's how we learn. It led him to the acronym FONT, fear of not trying. Although he has not defined a formal innovation process, his stories include its elements, starting with keeping your eye open and looking for something that produces a visceral response that gnaws at you, such that you become passionate about changing it or developing something better. Whether you're an entrepreneur or job seeker, show up with passion and enthusiasm. Do some work ahead of time with the idea that you're going to blow somebody away. Share your excitement and articulate what you bring to the business, the brand, or whatever the opportunity to make it better. Finally, the one word that describes Craig is optimistic. Play a part in making the future with excitement and energy and drive things forward. As he said, the only thing getting in the way is ourselves. Thanks to Craig for sharing his insights and valuable lessons. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. The Interim Dean of the School of Management and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohn. 
Our marketing and social media strategist is Petra Shantaraga. And our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. Until next time.